We've been going through the book of 2 Timothy, and we've titled this series, Reflections, because Paul's looking back on his life, he's facing execution, and he is assessing what Timothy, this young pastor, will need, and what this church in Ephesus will need in his absence. Paul knows that they're going to need to persevere through hard times, and that they can do this by following a faithful pattern of those that had gone before them. But Paul also knows that Timothy and the church here in Ephesus was going to have some perils and struggles that were going to come their way. And Paul warns them in uh, this chapter 3 that we'll be in today about the dangers of false teaching. This is a common thing that we see In the New Testament, this idea that there are conflicting messages out there that want to steal our hearts. There are messages out there in the world that want to uh, take our focus. And many times uh, what false teaching is, is actually just unbalanced truth. Many times false teaching is unbalanced truth. See, it's easy for us sometimes to spot flat out falsehood. But sometimes it's harder to realize when it's truth but just has a little bit of lie mixed into it. Truth that leans too far in one direction is false teaching. Thou shalt not judge can lean too far to the idea that sin is relative and it's all just personal opinion. And who am I to say that this is wrong in someone else's life Uh, Because they have different opinions, they have different experiences. And sometimes we can lean too far to get to the point where, uh, well, sin is really a hard thing to understand and a hard thing to uh, pin down. Scriptural teaching on modesty can lean too far to skirts down to the ankles and being obsessed with people's outward appearance. So always beware of unbalanced truth and this idea of false teaching, anything that contradicts the Bible. So let's check out verse 1 in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, I like this one, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. The Bible tells us, avoid such people. Remember, this letter is written to the pastor of the church of Ephesus. So these are warnings for the church. Paul says, before Jesus returns, the church is going to come in contact with some people that preach false messages with their lives. People that appear to be godly people. See, these aren't people that you would find necessarily on a bar on a Friday night. These are people that you would find on church in church on a Sunday morning. These were people in the same circles as Timothy or else he wouldn't have had to avoid them. Lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, focused on self, focused on money, focused on pleasure. 
See, before these people schedule and prioritize their lives, they ask themselves the questions, how is this going to help me? How is this going to affect my money situation? How is this going to help me make more money? How will this bring me pleasure? And that's how these people make decisions. Well, how is a lover of self unbalanced truth? Well, God loves you, and God wants you to know your worth, but... When we center our lives around ourselves, we become pretty lonely pretty quick. How is a lover of uh, money unbalanced truth? Well, money is an amazing tool that God can do so much good with. We saw uh, some things that our money can do to help the world. Money isn't bad, but when you worship it and you sacrifice your time, your family, and your integrity... To get it, it becomes false teaching. It becomes a bad thing when we begin to worship it. How is a lover of pleasure unbalanced truth? Did you know that God wants you to have pleasure? Hey, God gave food taste, amen? Praise the Lord, right? We're We're gonna experience that later on. God gave us sex. He made love and romance. He gave us that feeling in our stomach when we ride a roller coaster that's exhilarating. God made all these things. God made the sun feel warm and the water to feel cool. But when we take pleasure instead of waiting for God's timing, or we obsess over how it makes us feel, or we let that pleasure take God's place, then it becomes an idol that we worship. Pride, arrogance, abusive parents, disobedient children, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderers that tell lies and spread falsehoods, reckless, swollen with conceit. All of these perils are coming and have come to the church. But I believe he saved the biggest for last. He said there are some that have the appearance of godliness, but they deny the power. These are people that want to look holy and religious, but inside they're really dead and cold. These are people that have not felt the presence of the Holy Spirit move in their life for a long time. Sure, they'll plaster a smile on their face and they'll say, amen, praise the Lord, God is good, but it's just for appearances. On the inside, there's no power. See, everyone in the church is not here to serve God or is maybe even redeemed. Matthew 7, 21 tells us that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father was in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? These are all the things I've done, God. Aren't I worthy? These are all the good deeds that I've done. Aren't I good enough? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. See, if your desires and your passion and your focus hasn't changed since you accepted Jesus Christ into your life, then you need to go back and investigate that. No, works do not save us, but they are evidence of our salvation. I put my faith in Christ at the age of eight, but if I didn't have any evidence of that in my life today, 
I would be checking out why. That would be something, look, I don't trust something that happened 20 years ago. I trust the fact that Jesus is working in my life right now. See, there are people that act like they follow Christ. But in reality, they are actually false leaders and teachers. And, and what they're actually doing is setting wrong patterns with their life and leading people away from the truth. See, the Christian walk is not just about what you don't do. Well, I don't drink, and I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I'm not that kind of person. But it's more than that. It's about what you do. See, it's about how you're producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Is love something that is in your life? Is peace, is gentleness something that comes out of you? See, healthy things grow, and healthy things produce, and alive things grow. You need to check that out. You might be dead. The picture painted in these verses looks familiar in today's churches. Many churches and church leaders neglect the Bible and instead rely on philosophy and psychology. But see, the Bible is the antidote for all false doctrine. Man, there's a lot of people moving today. I must be stepping on toes or something. Man, shoot. But yeah, you guys drinking that dirty water. What are you doing? Next, Paul brings up the women leaders that had gotten caught up in false uh, doctrine that he had mentioned in his first letter to Timothy in uh, verse 6. It says, For among, those are for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sin and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. See, this present age is so full of false teachers, and we need to constantly be checking everything that we believe through the Bible. If you want to find a church that believes what you believe, and, and you can find it. If you want to find a pastor that says what you like to say, hey, you can find it. You can flip through the channels till you find a message that you like. But that's not how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to come through God's word. And it's all got to be based on that. It's all got to go back to that. Verse 8 says, Just as Jans and Jambres opposed Moses. So these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to us all, as was that of those two men. So who are Jans and Jambres? That's some weird uh, uh, names there. Well, they're traditionally thought to be the names of the Egyptian magicians that opposed Moses before Pharaoh. The ones where, remember, he threw, uh, Moses threw down his staff and it turned into a snake? Well, according to Jewish tradition, these magicians pretended to follow God after they saw this miracle done and the ten plagues and, and the parting of the Red Sea. And they, and they decided to leave with the, with the Jewish uh, people. And later it said that they influenced the people to make those gods, uh, uh, the, the golden calf, to worship so this is a warning against false teachers who are wolves in sheep's clothing. False teachers and leaders will not get very far. Their motives will be revealed eventually. Verse 10, Paul goes on and says, You, speaking to Timothy, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecution... 
and my suffering that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord saved me. Paul had laid out this pattern of teaching for Timothy, how to conduct himself, where to aim his life, faith, patience, love, steadiness. And Paul says, but listen, son, if you do these things, people won't like it. People won't like it. See, if you're radical in your faith, it will threaten the casual Christian. And it will convict the unbeliever. See, people hated Jesus. And if we look like Jesus, people will begin to hate us too. Why? Because people won't understand radical forgiveness. Instead, they want revenge. People won't understand radical mercy. No, they want repayment and compensation. People won't understand giving with no strings attached. Instead, they want stipulations. People won't understand meekness. They want to project power. And Paul says to Timothy, look, if you do these things, if you live out these patterns I've shown you, you will suffer. You will be persecuted. You will lose friends and people won't understand. And sometimes when you live a life where you care about the people that Jesus cared about and you love the people that Jesus loved, eventually it's going to begin to start rubbing people the wrong way. I've been part of churches before where uh, they bust a certain uh, people group in that lived maybe in a trailer park or in a place where, or or a homeless group. And, And the people in the church, you gradually begin to see them move further and further away from that section that they live and they sit in. Eventually, if we love the people that Jesus loved, it's going to rub the casual Christian the wrong way. And I praise the Lord that we don't have a church like that today. That we don't think that we're better than other people. And we remember who we are. And we don't begin to let those hardships of ministry begin to uh, ruffle our feathers. The Bible says in Proverbs that where no cattle are, the stall is clean. I've been a part of churches where people complained about uh, the windows having fingerprints on them or there being a little bit of trash here and there or stains on the carpet. Hey, we can have the cleanest church in the world as long as we don't let people use it, right? As long as we stop ministering to people. And if we do the things that God wants us to do, it's going to rub some people the wrong way. Hey, eventually, people, if we have the vision that God has for this church, it might send us to some places that some people don't like. We might spend our money on other places and we're like, oh, but man, uh, what about the fact that we need this here and we need this there? Paul says to Timothy, if you live out these patterns I show you, you will suffer and you will be persecuted, you will lose friends, people will not understand. Paul says they ran me out of Antioch, Iconium, and yes, even your hometown, Timothy, Lystra. They ran me out, they stoned me there, but I persevered, I endured, because it's so worth it to walk close to my Jesus, and God was faithful to me up to this point to rescue me from those situations. Verse 12 goes on and says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Christians will be persecuted if they follow Christ's 
example. However, let me make it clear here that this is not an excuse for us to be offensive. It's not an excuse for us to just be a jerk, right? If we go and protest a funeral for uh, reasons that we think are great and we get persecution that comes back on us, that is not valid persecution. You're just being a jerk, okay? You're being offensive. We start heated arguments with people that don't know Jesus and we rail against sinners when they don't have the gospel. Rather than showing them the gospel, we can't claim persecution. Why? Because there are places in this world today that face real persecution. And it's only getting worse. With the rise of the groups such as Boko Haram and ISIS, persecution has grown exponentially. Persecution right now of Christians is higher than it has ever been before in history. Open Doors USA estimates that 215 million people face intimidation, prison, and even death in our world today. That's one in 12 Christians. Here's a map of some areas that right now, today, people are facing persecution. There shows you some high persecution and some very high and some extreme persecution, some places where it hurts them to live out their faith. And it's, it's, it's something that they have to make a real decision with their lives. See, here in America, we worship being comfortable. Hey, we were, we were worried about our air conditioning a few uh, months ago. And I look, I praise the Lord for air conditioning. I'm going to use it as long as we got it. But I wonder how many people would have came to church if we didn't have air conditioning that next Sunday. Hey, we're worried about these small things when people are dying for their faith right now in other places around the world. We cannot take what we have for granted and we cannot forget our brothers and sisters in Christ that are suffering around the world. And I know that I'm guilty of not praying for them or or taking action. I know I'm guilty of not taking advantage of the freedom that we have here to tell others about Christ. And I know there's been times that I've confused a little awkwardness as a reason to not express my faith. 2 Timothy 3.14 goes on and says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Don't give up, Timothy. Don't give up. Remember what your mama and your grandmama taught you. Remember the Bible truth that has been instilled in you. He says here that they taught you the sacred scriptures. The Old Testament pointed towards Christ the Messiah. And that was the the moment the Jews had been waiting for for so long. But so many of the Jews were listening to the teachings of the rabbis and neglected the Bible itself. And that's why we need to be careful to not get too enamored after uh, following after big preachers and famous pastors. I've had my faith shaken before and been disappointed because a preacher I really enjoyed fell into sin or into false teaching. And this is why we need to be careful about it. See, when the people that we trust as leaders fall in the faith, that can affect us. It can shake us up. But ultimately, we need to trust God's word and not men. See, follow Jesus and you will never be disappointed. I could fail you tomorrow, but if you would put your faith in Jesus, you will never be disappointed. 
Lois and Eunice didn't just teach Timothy Christian culture or religion or to follow after a certain rabbi. No, they taught Timothy the scriptures. Timothy's family gave him the teaching that he needed to accept Christ for himself. See, it's not enough just to tell kids what to believe. We have to teach them what the Bible says and how they can know how to study it out for themselves. It's not enough just to say, believe this, believe that. Instead, we have to make sure that they know why they believe what they believe. Why is this so important? The next verse goes on and tells us. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for learning, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. All scripture is breathed out by God. What does that mean? It means sometimes God gave specific words, but more often than that, God used the writers and their vocabulary and their experiences to produce his infallible word. Scripture provides us with doctrine, what to believe. It provides us with teaching, with wisdom and training, giving us what we need to know to follow Christ. Scripture reproves and corrects these errors that are in us so that we can be ready and complete to do good works, making us capable of doing what we're called to do. I've heard sometimes people talk about, well, my church just isn't giving me what I need to follow Christ. But the real thing is, it's your responsibility to follow Christ. You've got God's word. You've got the breathed out words of Jesus Christ. All scripture comes directly from God. Has it ever dawned on you that that thing that you hold in your hand called a Bible is written communication from God, the God of this whole universe? See, all scripture comes directly from God, not just certain passages, but all, even the chapters that go against our culture's norms. See, the Bible is all we've got and it's all we need. So are the purposes for which God gave us his word being fulfilled in your life? Are you growing in your understanding of Bible's teachings? Hey, are you learning more? Are you getting in your Bible? Because the Bible is the antidote for lies. Are you open to the reproof and correction from God's word? Are you growing in righteousness? Church, there are many perils facing us today. Paul wanted to prepare this church and this young pastor for all of these troubles and all these perils that were going to come. They were going to see dangers that were going to come from the inside with people teaching and preaching false messages with their lives and people leading in the wrong direction. Paul had told them before Jesus returns, the church is going to come in contact with some people that preach lies with their lives. People that appear to be godly people. Everyone in the church is not here to serve God or is even redeemed. Some of us are really lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of power, lovers of pleasure. Some of us really have just an appearance of godliness, but without any real spiritual power. But you don't have to stay there. 
You don't have to live there. You can get it right today. The God of the universe wants to have a real relationship with you. He is not content with a fake relationship. He's not content with these uh, putting on of a show. He wants to have a real relationship with you. You don't have to stay there, but you have to humble yourself. You have to realize where you're at. You have to say, I'm not content with just playing church anymore. I want to be a Christian that walks out the gospel with my life. The good news. We need to stop being content to just appear godly. Look, your father loves you and he wants a real relationship with you. They faced perils from within the church. They also faced perils from without the church with persecution. And if, look, we'll talk like Jesus and we'll walk like Jesus and love the the people that Jesus loved, it is going to upset this cookie-cutter world. If you're radical with your faith, it is going to threaten the casual Christian. It will convict the unbeliever. People are going to ask, why do you forgive like you do? Why do you love like you do? Those people are just going to burn you. They're going to stab you in the back. Why are you putting yourself out there? We'd ask Jesus that same question, right? Why are you dying for these people? They're going to kill you. They're going to spit on you. They're going to pull out your beard. They're going to whip you and lash you and call you all sorts of names. Why would you put yourself out there for them? If you live out the pattern of faith that is left to us, the Bible says you're going to suffer. There's going to be some persecution. You might lose some friends over it. People won't understand, but persevere to the end. Endure, because it's so worth it to walk close to Jesus, and God will be faithful to rescue you. There's that old song that says, no, though no one join me, still I will follow. I have decided to follow Jesus. Have you made that choice? I don't care what people think. I don't care if they think I'm weird. I don't care if what I, my life is going to look like doesn't fit into this American dream. I'm going to follow Jesus. Look, we've got a hope to hold on to. The Bible is all that we've got. And it's all we need. Let's stand to our feet and bow our heads. The worship team is going to come. Paul warned us today that there are some perils coming to the church. Before Jesus returned, there are going to be some lovers of money, lovers of self, lovers of pleasure. There's going to be perils from without and perils from within. With every head bowed and eyes closed... I want, you to ask you, uh, I want you to ask a brave question. I want you to ask a question that's going to be uncomfortable if you're honest with yourself. That question is this. Am I content to just appear godly? Do I really have God's power working in my life? You're going to know that by the fact that you're going to produce some things that aren't natural, like real, genuine love with no strings attached, like like sacrificing for other people when it doesn't make any sense. Are you just content this morning to appear godly? Paul prepared us for some perils that are coming for the church, some ways that we could get distracted. Paul also prepared us that life's not always going to be easy, and following Jesus isn't a promise that It's always going to be safe and comfortable. 
Sometimes you're going to have to take some risks. Sometimes you're going to have to put yourself out there. With every head's bowed and eyes closed. You let God move this morning. Are we content with just playing church or we really want to see the power from God? Not something we muster up or work up, but real Holy Spirit power. Altars open this morning. God touch you about anything this morning. You come now.